try all my songs out on my dogs. <laughs> the dog like sits there and watches you as you're playing your song or, uh, you know, chord progression. If he sits there and he lays down there and you're doing okay, man, if he gets up and walks off, change the chord progression or change the record you're playing. Dogs know. All right, let's do this. Jeff Owsley is first and foremost a coffee connoisseur. Most often you'll find him at his workstation making coffee via French press, pour-over drip, plunger press, letting it percolate, or using a vacuum. When not making coffee with the precision of a fucking chemist, he's a guitar tech. He's toured with David Bowie, Elvis Costello, Neil Young, Patti Smith, Edie Burkell and the New, the New Bohemians, Georgie, Georgia Satellites, Jason and the Scorchers, Heart, and Pearl Jam. Lately, when asked, he will tell you he's currently Ann Wilson's gardener and pool plant looker after person. <laughs> the rest of the heart crew are hoping to get him back making coffee soon. <laughs> My second guest is his buddy, Keith Moe Winhorst, who's a front of house engineer. His console is literally on fire. You'll most often find him hunched down working under his console, possibly still wearing his birthday crown and cape. If you're another roadie, I'm one step ahead of you. You're jumping to the conclusion that he's down there blowing someone. I know, but you're wrong. Well, that might be the reason most sound guys are hiding under their consoles. Mo has actually fashioned a couple exhaust fans with the purpose of venting smoke from his cigarettes while in non-smoking venues. Newsflash. <laughs> you just give him, you just ratted me out. They ratted yeah. me out. You can blame Maxie Williams, dude. He's got a big mouth, this roadie. Newsflash, sound guys. The rest of us roadies know there ain't shit to fix under a console. We don't know shit about sound, but you've made us all move consoles once or twice and we know what's under them. <laughs> Mo has toured with Journey, Debbie Trailer. Deanna Carter, Hart, and Lauren Hill. In addition, he's part of the Louisiana Music Hall of Fame, which is a big deal because there's three other people in it. <laughs> and I'm going to guess. I don't, and I don't know him. <laughs> you don't know them. And I'm not related to him. Um, and I'm going to say, so uh, I take it that you two met each other touring with that Led Zeppelin cover band, Hart. Yeah? That's that correct. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> Those are my digs. Those are my digs. So hopefully, got a laugh out of you guys. But Jeffo, um, was, Jeffo was there long before me, and when I joined the crew, it was Jeffo, Jason, Joel, and Jeff, and I was the only guy on the crew that didn't start with the J's, and they still accepted me. How about that? That's so, right. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm the only one still standing. That's right. Everyone else is. I don't know. I've uh, dumped some, something right or something wrong. I don't know. How long have you worked for Hart, Jeff? Coming on almost 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's that's like forever gig. <laughs> Pretty much. I uh, like I said, I've done something right or wrong. I don't know. I watched an old no one can get a, no one can get away from the coffee. He's just, you know, they need the coffee. <laughs> I, I guess. But I, I, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm the highest paid coffee maker you'll ever meet. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like it. I like it. So, needing a raise. What's what? And I need a raise. Yeah. 
You want me to reach out to the heart people and tell them? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's sure that it'll go over really well. I've got an in. I've got an in. I actually had. I had a. Uh, so it was a. I think it was a base case, and it was for a tour that you guys did in Japan. But there was no base in it. But the base was the shape of a heart. And no, uh, it was not. And I sold it on eBay, but I only have the case. The inside of it smelled moldy, man. But. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to correct something on your in your intro there. Yes, there is a panel under my console that has four fans which blow smoke inward. Okay, so yes, I've found a way to pretty much have a cigarette in every non-smoking venue in America. It's a long time. You know, two-hour show is a long time to be out there without having a cigarette when you smoke like a chimney, like I do. So I have to, you know, we have to adapt. That's what roadies do. Right. Jeffo. You got to adapt. adapt. It's the first letter in the alphabet. A adapt. <laughs> adapt. That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I had, I, I had a couple. So these guys you know, going on and on and on. I'm two and a half hours deep and they're still talking. I'm like, I hate to be rude. I got, I got a piss. Like I'm, I just, I got to go. So you guys talk, I'll be back. I've done it twice now. Where I've just let them talk. I'm like, I just, I got to piss. So I understand if you need your cigarette, you need your cigarette. So um, what's with the Cape and the uh, what's with the Cape and the crown? <laughs> did Jeff tell you that story? I did not tell him the story. Okay. I got, right, I got you, people, you have, man. Right. I got people. So um, when we're touring with heart, Back in those days, uh, Ann and Nancy are obviously the face of the of the monster, right? Not the monster. They're fantastic. No, I said the wrong word. They're the face of the organization. But back in the dressing room for that entire time is the older sister, the first. Yeah. Lynn. Lynn Wilson. So I was going to ask you, what's her? Yeah, what? the wiser, older wiser, the, the hippie, the doctor, the seamstress, the you name the it. leader Lynn, the leader Lynn, the older was everything right and so she uh, worked she's part of the uh she's part of the, the gig she was part of the touring gig back in those days yeah and uh she did everything for them and don't she ever mother Lynn wilson she off. was the mother too right well lynn don't ever make her mad i've seen <laughs> lynn her mad being, twice being very Not handy sure. with uh a needle and thread she made me this cape and it was uh, like this black velvet and a lot of gold sparkly. I mean, I don't think she intended it to be that way, but to me, it was a perfect representation of the New Orleans Saints, baby. It was black and gold. Florida Lees and all that stuff, yeah. right? And so we we're doing a show in Canada one night, and it was the last show of the tour. And of course, Anne goes around and in the middle of the right before the last song or whatever, she decides to thank everyone on the crew and you know, and mentions Jeffo and Jay, all the guys on stage. And she mentions the lighting director, thank you, Dale. And then she says, and something there's a video on, on YouTube somewhere around, but she mentions me, and unbeknownst to me, our tour manager is standing beside me behind me with this cape and uh as she says my name i just kind of wave acknowledge like, thank you right he puts this cape on me and then every wiggle light in the entire room goes whap 
And it, I, I mean, I'm like the big giant 300 pound mirror ball. Cause shit is just, it's all sparkly and glittery and shit's bouncing off me all over this stuff. And, uh, yeah, somewhere along the line, a crown came into play and the cape and, uh, I still have the cape, man. It's, uh, it's part of the uh, Halloween New Orleans Saints costume scenario. How about that? Sounds but good. It was, it was handmade by Miss Lynn Wilson, and I love her for it. That's cool. So what were the two times you saw Lynn mad, Jeff? Or we should not oh, say. Oh, gosh, I don't even want to. That's just words to the wise or, or words. That's, you know, that's just a public service announcement. <laughs> don't ever make, make lynn wilson mad you know she got mad about something you know somebody tried to uh, do something i can't remember what it was but it's not pretty and you don't ever <laughs> want to make her mad you know it's just that's just that's just my public service now it wasn't that lynn, the coffee tasted poorly she's the kind of person like you know you could be on a gig in the middle of you know, Asimumu, Arkansas, somewhere or whatever, and you need a five sixteen special hex bolt, whatever, you know, in one of her sewing kits or road trunk. She's got it, right? She could right, oh right. Lynn, I need I need uh binoculars for a tree frog or something. Oh, I got that, you know. She, she's yeah, yeah. Person. Or need somebody to talk to. Yeah. You know, like talk you, you know, talk yeah. you off the ledge about something going on at home or something like that, or you know, or just you know, she was she was the boss, she was the big sister, you know, and so yeah, uh, uh, yeah, spent a lot of time with uh, Lynn Wilson, and uh, she's so, an angel. In contemporary ish times, they had that they had a couple of these, these shows that. They were, you know, they were huge, I guess, I, for better wordage. I don't know. But um, that Hall of Fame induction uh, in 2013, I, were you guys both working that again? Yeah, it or? was the longest two days ever. It was. It was a very long two days. Yeah. And it was fun. I mean, it was, uh, it was the most it was... unorganized show I've ever been on. <laughs> you know, we, there's a, a bunch of other little stories that go along with it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I have my own thoughts of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but yeah. hey, man, it was a for them. It was an, a great acknowledgement. You know, it's an acknowledgement yeah. of a career well done, and you know, you jump through the hoops and say the right things. And yeah, yeah, right. It was a long two days, and it was pretty cool. I've been on a better award shows if there's such a yeah. thing. Yeah, you know, it was it was it was a long. It was very unorganized. Uh, it was a couple of years in a couple of years in my career with Hart, and then they got inducted in the Hall of Fame. And then when I moved over to Journey about two or three years later, they got inducted into the Hall of Fame. So I've done it twice. So I think it's me actually. So if you are in a band, <laughs> so if you're in a band and it's on the fence, hire Fair me. And get inducted. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to yeah. think I had all these bands I worked for that broke up and I was like, is it me? You know, it's all these bands. I was like, every time I get this band and then like two or three, oh, we're calling it quits. I was like, is it me? You know, so anyway, uh, I go the other direction. I could give you a funny story about that heart hall of fame thing. If yeah. You what do you got? Okay. So early in my career, yeah, we've talked about this. Jeff knows, you know, early in your career, 
he's got a long career at heart, but I didn't. And there was a lot of things you do for the paycheck. Right. And, uh, I used to work for a sound company out in long Island, New York. And when rap hip hop music was starting to become popular, companies like Claire brothers and Shoko and whatever the big audio companies really weren't taking it serious. So this company was getting a lot of the, those tours, you know, we're going into arenas and freaking selling out arenas with guys scratching records on turntables and people yelling stuff in microphones. Right. Um, anyway, you know, you, not my cup of tea, but a paycheck's a paycheck. And, you know, Mo rhymed with yo. So I was memorable. I could remember me. Yo, Mo. So I got, you know, more tours and more tours. And then you try and price yourself out of the tour, but they decide to pay it. So you do it again. Anyway, I did a handful, a bunch of those tours and two of them were with um, Public Enemy. You're familiar with Public Enemy, right? Yeah, man. Okay. So I got the, you know, I was working on stage. I got to know the guys. Was the NWA, was NWA on that tour? No, this wasn't that one. Um, okay. uh, no, I did some stuff with Ice Cube, but that was after NWA. But anyway, you know, so, you know, you get to know the guys a little bit here and there, blah, blah, blah. Time goes on, you know, I move on and move on and I get back into the rock world, which is my thing. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so heart gets inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and like jeffro said it's it's the longest two days ever well you got a whole rehearsal day and this and that and then you're that crazy early for the production day and stuff anyway um i gotta go upstairs to the dress rooms for something and i get in an elevator it's probably like oh three or four hours before the show is ready to go on and i get in an elevator and who comes walking in the elevator but about 10 guys from Public Enemy. And I hadn't seen them in forever. And literally, Chuck D looks at me like, I'm like, yeah. And I went, it had been 20 years. I don't know. So it was a pretty cool. Totally cool. Moment because they were inducted the same year, too, as Hart was. And uh, so here we are in the elevator hugging it out with all the S1Ws and Chuck and Terminator. and Yeah, I didn't, you know, that was a complete circle of part of my career that I never thought would be circled back again. But it happened in an elevator in L.A. at the Hall of Fame thing. Yeah, it doesn't hurt that it's a damn cool band, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that was definitely not my genre of music, but it doesn't take long to see where the talent is. And those guys are talented, you know, there's no question. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. And then, so, and then what about the uh, Kennedy center performance where, when they did the rehearsals, were, (laughs) were you, Oh God, why? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. We, he and I were in a ballroom in Orlando, Florida. We were doing a corporate gig there in Orlando. The girls literally did sound check or whatever the day before got on a plane, flew to Kennedy Center, did that, flew back to Orlando while we were doing the gig. We actually had nothing to do with that performance. So, I mean, was it a surprise or would you even know that? They, I mean, it's such a big deal. Was that just a yeah. shock? It was uh, the first time I saw it, I was mouth open. Super top secret. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'd heard about what happened, 
but you can hear about it when you see it it's moving right to see how the zeppelin guys re- reacted to it makes it even more moving did they do stairway at the corporate gig <laughs> it's funny that after that happened um no, they didn't do stay at the corporate gig, but the next year or on the success of that video, I think sparked the idea that yeah. uh, Hart toured and the opening act was Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience oh, through right, support. Cool. And they, they did a big Zeppelin set and then Hart would do their set. And then the encore was uh, like four Jason, Jason playing four Zeppelin songs with the girls. Uh, the last one being Stairway to Heaven with, with we were bringing guitar the player. Yeah. And that guy, Tony, played guitar. Yeah. We and then we would, player, yeah. we would bring in the local choir in each city and right. pretty much Rent do our choir. best to, to Rent a choir. Replicate, <laughs> replicate that moment. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah super cool. That's a neat tour. Um, I, have another, I have another story about that. Here comes a stupid story. <laughs> yeah, bring them on. The dumber, the better. We're yeah, not bright yeah. people over here. <laughs> so, yeah, like he said, Jeffro said, rent a choir, right? You know, you go into all these cities. And um, what was her name, Jeff? Ruby or something? Remember Ruby? Oh, what was her name? That was, a, that was a amazing. Um, she, I guess she was like choir leader at yeah. one, the, a church in Seattle. And Ann was friends with her. And yeah. so they, they hired her and another another gentleman that came on the road with us and their gig was to re- whip in shape and rehearse the local choir that we would hire Your in that day, city. Yeah. And they would get them ready to do the stairway to heaven thing. So, you know, you go into Philly and we get one of the choirs out of one of the churches there and they would come in and rehearse to stairway to heaven and whatever the next city, the next city, the next city, the next city. And we had all these choirs. Anyway, we did a show in Bethel, New York, which is the site of Woodstock, right? And literally, like, up until two or three days before that show, production didn't have a choir lined up. They couldn't get a choir. And uh, didn't want to tell Ann and Nancy that we didn't have a choir. We just were going to go to the last minute and get a choir. Couldn't get a choir. So... There is a great video on YouTube. Um, what they did was they never got a choir for that show. So Miss Ruby took every available crew person who wasn't essential to that moment in the show. Truck drivers, uh, drum tech, Hart's drummer, because Jason Bonham was playing drums, wardrobe chicks, you name it. She took everyone who was not available, I mean, who was not immediately working and turned them into a choir for that part of the show, right? <laughs> and didn't tell the girls, okay? So here we go. Comes the, <laughs> comes the stairway to heaven. And, uh, and Nancy starts playing and starts singing. Anne's out on the stage dress, so she's out in the front, front of the crowd. And, and you know, it, it gets kind of halfway into the song before the choir files onto their rises and starts singing and and finishes that verse and turns around and starts walking up stage and stage is kind of dark and when the choir does their first ooh or whatever part there is the light comes up on them and Anne happens to be looking 
And when she sees the face of the tour manager and the wardrobe girl and the bus driver, and she sees all of these people who are on the crew are now the choir. The look on her face is just priceless. That's amazing. And then Nancy, like, while playing guitar, is freaking out. No, Jeffro, back me up. They did a pretty good, commendable job, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But it was a complete shock to the girls. And if you see the video, go search it out. Roadie, Roadie Choir or something like that. Yeah, I'll and, check it out uh, for sure. It's hilarious. That's it, awesome. It's, it's awesome. It's just to see the look on Ann's face and then the look on Nancy's face is classic, man. Classic. Oh, super cool. Yeah. Um, you got any cool uh, stories with uh, David Bowie, Jeff? Because we've heard I've heard a couple on here. And uh, uh, John Mayton. Uh, well, I used to make him a cup of coffee every day, and he knew everybody's name on the tour. Pretty much, he knew what everybody did. Hats off to that guy, man. He knew what was going on at all times. Said hello to me every day. Um, uh, just like he was the top. Yeah. Came to sound check every day, pretty much every day. Knew what everybody did on the tour. Uh, was like, you know, did a two hour, two and a half hour show every night, you know, and uh, just amazing. That's all I can say is amazing. You know, yeah. he's a hero for sure. He's a really neat guy. I've just, heard just some for wonderful stories. For more than one stuff. day. He was a hero for more than one day. Yeah, there you go. Unintended. Right. Ah, Very ah. good. Very Man, good. That was quick, Jeff. That was a good one. That was a good one. Okay. Also, if you want to like find anything, we'll go back to heart. Sure. There's, there's a, uh, there's a good, if we're, if you're dishing out good videos on YouTube, I think it's a crew prank. Um, it's like the second, uh, Mo had already headed to journey by then. He was on his journey, I should say. Um, <laughs> but I did that. Get the oh, the, the train, tour. the train. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Uh, uh, I did a prank at the end. They used to do immigrant songs. And so like the second or thirds of the last show, I started building a uh, pirate ship out of cardboard on a lighting case. And then I dressed up three of the guy, the carpenter and two of the cheap trick guys in pirates outfits. And Vikings. then during immigrant Vikings, song, right? and Viking. Yeah. And Vikings. Thank you. And the Vikings. And they pushed the Viking ship across the stage three times um during immigrant song it's on there too it's it's one of the best and even nancy goes that's one of the best pranks you've ever done you know and, and uh and it was like you know everybody goes you're gonna get fired i'm like on the last day who cares it's the last day of the tour. and they all they were like that's the best prank you've ever done and i worked at it. we did a dress rehearsal two days before like at sound check you know the whole thing painted up this this uh, lighting and sound design case or whatever they're called solo tech case or whatever and did a did a cardboard uh viking ship and it was uh it was done well brian from uh cheap trick uh the production manager he ended up dressing up in a hot dog outfit and <laughs> threw out hot dog buns which i don't know where that comes on being a I, don't think the, I don't think the original what? Vikings did that. No. Yeah, that that one threw me off, but I was okay with it. He, <laughs> so with it. It. he, he, he gave it his all. But Where were the hot dogs when you needed them? 
that's mm-hmm. that's one of my better pranks other than on the george michael tour I, I did a prank on the george michael tour the last one in i think it was 89 or 90 um he always would walk onto the to the ego ramp with a thrust of the stage and towards the end of the show he'd go okay there's one song i know there's one song you want to hear i know there's one song you want to hear and it was freedom everybody would yell back freedom to him but i, I got like I don't know, 50 or 60 poster boards. And I wrote free bird on it. And I gave them to all the people in the front row. And I said, when he yells that right up free bird <laughs> and all the, okay, you're going to get fired. I was like, it's the last day. And he got, one day and he like, it, he was speechless, you know, <laughs> and I was like the only American guy on the tour. You know, I was the only septic on the tour and me and like one other guy, me and Bob Rice, world famous bob rice um and uh yeah yeah everybody goes you're gonna get fired i'm like it's the last day septic that's a good word that's what the brits used to call america really septic shit that was cool. septic tank yank uh-huh good old yeah. rhyme cockney rhyme slang yeah i was the only i was the only uh me and one other guy were the only uh septics on the tour um and uh, but yeah, that was one other good prank I did. Remember uh, when you got yelled at for bringing the baby goat on stage? The bra- bringing the baby goat <laughs> on stage. That's hard. <laughs> yes, that's hard. Yeah, I, I like to push the envelope. <laughs> what were you doing with what were you doing with the coat though? I don't know. I think was, we were at the fair. It was we like a state fair. fair or something, and there was goats and pigs and shit all around. And he just decided that we needed to have a baby goat on stage, and I'm out front. <laughs> And we're about to do line check, and I Devin's got a baby in, in the microphone. <laughs> it gets boring out there. Yeah, it gets very boring good. out there. Very you got to you got to do some stuff. It's it's all about the <laughs> I'm sure I did a lot of other stupid stuff too, but some oh, of yeah, it I can't too. remember till like two o'clock in the morning. I'll remember it. You got any ones that didn't go so good where they backfired on you? Oh, goodness. Probably. Probably a hundred. Uh-oh. Low battery. Oh, geez. What oh, happened? no. Hang on. Plug in. Plug in. I'm plugging in. Low battery mode. Okay. So on Am Journey, uh, did you guys do any wind-up type stuff on Journey? Are you guys pretty good on that tour? Or are you? Well, the um, Not really. I mean, I don't think the guys would accept it that great. Uh, but like the my first Journey experience, I was working for Hart. Journey, Heart, and Cheap Trick tour together, and yeah, one of the la- the last day episode of that tour. I remember Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick is famous for just guitar pick, guitar pick, guitar pick, guitar pick. I mean, you know, it's got how many bags you think his tech has, Jeff? Twenty or thirty gross of picks a week or something? You know? Oh so, yeah, I mean, you know, there's so yeah. they would there would be the guys that would be working down front, like security and, you know, carps and camera guys and whatnot. They'd be scooping up a bucket full of guitar picks after cheap tricks set every night. And for some reason, I don't know, somebody collected them. And then we did our last show of that tour at the Greek in LA there. You're familiar with the Greek, right? Absolutely. Yep. Uh, hearts in their last songs like Barracuda or something. And I'm mixing and, Somebody blew the whistle or whatever. Next thing you know, I literally impounded with like five thousand Rick Neil guitar, Rick Nielsen guitar picks out in front of us. They're all in my console and my hair and my glasses and yeah. That's the, I don't. 
it was pretty cool and a good funny moment, but I don't think that that stuff would translate to doing something like that to the journey guys on stage. So then again, I'm too, I'm too far away from the stage. Anyway, I only get to visit to get the view what these Best guys view in the house the pranks. yeah that's view in the house yeah well i mean the guy right there he was a master at pranks so i got to watch watch his work all the time uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what year did you start with journey oh 14 yeah 13 or 14 13 yeah. or 14 13 i think 13 yeah mm-hmm. i love i i like the heart thing ended for me because of medical reasons. And that was kind of, kind of shitty way. I felt I had to, I had to go home and get some medical attention done. And yeah, you know, you take for granted that these guys I spent eight years with, man, that was family, you know? And then all of a sudden you don't see your family overnight. Yeah. That was, that was a hard thing for me to get, to get over there. And, uh, Hey, we're still brothers long distance, but you know, oh, yeah. I, I, I miss him bitching at me for drinking coffee and catering and you got to drink that swill when I know that he's got the coffee machine outside and things like that. You know, he'd look at me like I'll make you Americana. He was, <laughs> that was, that was my, I, you go easy on me. Huh, Jeff? <laughs> um, Neil Young, you got any cool Neil Young stuff? I had on here, Sonny Moan, Sonny toured with, uh, or he didn't, he, he didn't tour. He, uh, he did a crazy horse album. So he knew Neil, uh, a bit and he had some really great stuff. There were some fun stories for sure. Did you have good experiences? Uh, yeah, I did three tours with him. Um, took a walk. Cause like, uh, you rehearse at the white house, which is on his property. I think he still has a property. I don't know. I know he went through his divorce and stuff. I, uh, I feel like saying he kept it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went through, went on a walk because I always always get up early, and I remember him looking at me, going, with those eyes, goes, "Want to take a walk?" And he looked <laughs> at you, and you're like, "Yeah, okay," you know. And then he also, uh, we talked about dogs a lot, you know, and he'd show me the see that tree, three hundred years old, and then keep walking. He also, okay, three hundred years old, awesome. Yeah, big redwood tree. And then he go, and then he, I think I started asking about songs or dogs. When he goes try all my songs out on my dogs <laughs> the dog like sits there and watches you as you're playing your song or uh you know chord progression if he sits there and he lays down there and you're doing okay matter if he gets up and walks off change your chord progression or change the record you're playing dogs know <laughs> dogs hey, it works for him I'm like, hey, no problem. So anyway, I wrote like a, I wrote a kid's book a, a, about five, six years ago. Yeah. And I write and I wrote about him uh, to my dog, who was Carl, who who's uh, passed away, not just in la- last September. And um, Sorry about uh, I wrote it, wrote I wrote like two two children's books. And this one, Carl, the Grateful Dog, available on Amazon and Audible. There's my plug. By the way. I wrote that quote in the book that, you know, cause I was listening to like the first song that he listened to when we came home from the shelter was mansion on the hill, because it's like the dog knows when the song is right. You know? So anyway, but that, that quote that Neil told me, I wrote in my book. And so uh, that's good. Uh, uh, let's see other stuff. Um, mm, the train, right. Yeah. Didn't the, 
Didn't he buy the, tr- the Lionel train or something like that? Was oh, that yeah, yeah he owns Lionel yeah, Train Company. 80% of Lionel trains. And I one tour helped set his train set up on a Horde tour. Um, 1997, I think. Yeah, it was like uh, he was on that tour. And then it, and the midway, he had his train set up. So in the middle of the day, I'd go like help set the trains up. Then he'd go play with his trains. So it's pretty cool. We had a semi full of trains. Wow. I didn't realize he'd bring them with him. Yeah, he brought up well, on this tour. He did he part of the midway and he was trying to really give Lionel a plug. And um, yeah, he had this huge biggest train set you have in your life. You know, it's bigger than Gomez is on the Adams family. You yeah, know, Sonny like, had told yeah, me that up at the hundred. Sonny said up at the ranch, he had set up the trains where uh, his son, you know, his son is disabled. He could actually run the trains. The son could. He, he yeah, had by, it all up. By eye movement and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. So Benny's pretty awesome. And pretty yeah, he had the train set up inside of a train caboose. A train is cool. a train, you know. And so anyway, yeah. So that's pretty cool. I'll I bring a train and I'll raise you a train. Exactly. <laughs> the train you know, inside of a train. Definitely you know that Jerry Don is his guy now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, Jer- I love Jerry Don. He's awesome. Jerry Don. Jerry Don's been my bus driver thirty some odd years ago, and even his dad was my bus driver. I don't Absolutely. know if I'm aging Jerry myself. Don- Jerry Don Borden is a bus driver. Well, now he's more than a bus driver, but his dad was Hoop Borden. And there's not a hand. Fifty percent of the guys working that have been working for a while have ridden on one of Hooch buses. And Hooch was right. a legendary Nashville driver that's drove it everyone. Everyone. So you tour you tour with Hoot in the winter, and uh, what I remember, it would be a big crock pot full of soup, and he'd just turn it on in the morning and. Yeah. After All after right. sound check, the crew guys would walk out to the bus, get a nice cup of warm soup that who had little things like that, man. Mickey. Yeah. And it, and his wife at the time, I don't think it was Jerry Don's mom, but his wife used to work for the sheriff's department in Nashville. And every time we get ready to go to Canada, we'd run the, everyone's name and see if everybody could get through by going on the <laughs> computer back then to see if everybody was cool to go through Canada. You know, it came up on the database. This is before mobile phones, for computers and all that stuff. You'd call up Hoot's wife and she would run your name through the database to see if you had any problems getting into Canada. True story. That might could be edited. I don't know. You know, but um, anyways, but uh, that uh, that was that was a lifesaver. <laughs> and we were on our way into Canada. I was uh, I was with STP. And so the, the uh, Charlie Hernandez, like, you just be honest when you get up there. So I got up and they're like, have you ever been arrested? I'm like, yes, sir. And I just remember everybody looking at me like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's staring. I remember uh, Dean DeLeo, he's, he's on the bench, you know, and he just kind of looks up at me like, really? Really? You? <laughs> you? <laughs> what did you do? Man, I, did, you so, I was at the wrong place at the wrong time in like 1979 or 80 got thrown out of court, whatever. But if I go into Canada and Montana or someplace, a weird border, it comes up. Because they huh. go, hey, have you ever been arrested? They go, what about 1979, sir? <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. No problem. Just want to know if you knew that. I was like, yeah. Like it happened. It happens in Montana and somewhere in New York. 
the border up there, you know? So anyway, yeah, you gotta be honest with them. Yeah. Be honest. Yeah. They get, they get you. They know. I haven't heard anybody. Nobody's talked about Elvis, Elvis Costello yet. Um, What year did you tour with him? 2005, 2007. And it did a little fill in stuff in the late eighties. That's a, He's an incredible guitar player. Yeah. A lot of people go, you know, man, I, you know, you work for him. He's, he's pretty badass. So what and year is that, that their album spike? Do you remember that album spike? Was that the spike? Tour? Yep. That was uh, your that, tour? Yep. That was, uh, Veronica's on that. That song Veronica's amazing, yeah. man. Yeah, it's great. I mean, he's two songs at breakfast. They go call him Mr. Two songs at breakfast. He's written two songs before you had breakfast. Oh, that's so he's like a Benjamin Franklin of a touring early yeah. to bed, early to rise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, pretty incredible. Um, uh, he's not the easiest person to work for. That I've heard. He, he you know, he you, you think you're like tech form. Like, oh, I got this guy down. No, you don't. He's got like eyes in the back of his head and in the side of his head that he sees if you're like not paying attention. And then he'll write you like an email like two days later. Hey, I noticed on the 12th song of the third verse and the whatever you weren't really paying attention you know and you're like whoa really you know stuff like that i mean you know and then sometimes on the off in the off season i'll write him and it's like your long lost uncle writes you you know and it's just like a heartfelt just like thing but when you're in the middle of the game you know yeah he's like you better be in the him. game you're working for him you know and if you're on the and on the 40 feet like i work with a lot of people man they're awesome but when you're on the 40 feet with them on stage they you work for them you know yeah they'll, tell, they'll remind you you know you'll get the look he's got a that 20 foot stare that will burn you you know totally uh but uh it, uh definitely a, an honor to work for yeah, oh, he's so him. great i mean he's such i saw him last year and we sit and had dinner together and it was really cool i was like his long lost nephew at dinner you know and uh it was pretty cool and we hung out for a little bit and, uh took my sister to the show she had a good time and it was nice. at, i live in st augustine it was like right the amphitheater is like two miles from me so i can like pop down there pretty quick and hung out with him for a while and saw the show hung out after the show a little bit and on our way so you know so no wind ups with elvis costello because elvis costello kick ass <laughs> yeah yeah it's, you know i mean just an honor to work for him I've, I've worked for him like four or five times you know kind of that i'm on the bench on the rotating <coughs> kind of thing what are you doing because i kind of know his uh what do you I, I know his vibe or whatever you know because a, a lot of the same people he's had working for him his product his tour manager his production manager passed away about four years ago that I that worked for him for 32 years, I think. Oh, forever. Uh, tour managers worked for him for about that long. So I'm kind of still in the, the loop, you know. If something happens, I can go out. If I'm not busy, I'll go help out however I can, you know. Right on. And, but Yeah, but Ann's garden takes precedence. Right? Whatever, you know, it is now. <laughs> you know, whatever, I do whatever I can. Um, I work for her like, yeah, one day a week and I'm trying to get something together. We got four shows coming up. So I'm kind of going through the locker, the storage locker, getting some things together. And, you know, I did that yesterday and 
um, and this declutter business too. I have declutter people's garages and stuff like that. I cook for families. I cook for a family down the street from me for like a graduation <laughs> week coming up. You know, can I take this opportunity on the internet to thank Jeff for the best peanut butter jelly sandwich I've ever had in my life. And I make I make a fine uh, blended peanut butter and jelly Dijon. That that peanut butter jelly sandwich was worth a thousand dollars that day, my friend. There's a story behind that, obviously. Yeah, but I'll, I'll let him tell it. He he tells it. Much I have to tell it if you want to. Yeah. Uh, where we were going into Canada. And we got held up at the border. For we were going time. to Canada to shoot a DVD. DVD, yeah. No, oh, like no rehearsal, like, just for heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just straight in. And did a show the night before in Detroit or something, maybe? Somewhere, or somewhere yeah. Ohio or something? We got held yeah. up at the border because one of the guys in the crew had an issue. Had and an issue. We're, we're showing up at this venue with full film crew and um, 10 russian violinists which don't speak a lick of english and man it's a thing it's a full production and we're going to record this dvd for resale and blah 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 it turned out to be you know the longest day in ever and none of us got to take a breath none of us even got coffee none of us got and somewhere along three or four o'clock in the evening after continually working and sorting out the record truck and this and that. And I look up and there's my man right there walking through the venue with a bag of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that he just took it upon himself to go make one for everyone. I went to and, the bus and just made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <laughs> just to make as old as you can. It, it, it was it was worth gold, man. That sandwich was worth gold that day. <laughs> It was a long day. I remember it well. That yeah. was, yeah. <laughs> it goes a long way, man. We worked. Hey, we pulled it off. The, the we show went great. The DVD looked great. Sounded great and all, but. So is that the one? So is that, Jeff has a credit on IMDb as the espresso technician. Probably. Probably. <laughs> you do. I looked. You do. Okay. Wow. That's yeah. Good. There's not a roadie credit you get every day. <laughs> well, you know, whatever I can, you know, whatever I can do. I had a coffee endorsement for a while, but then they sold the company. And I had, had another deal with the, the coffee espresso machine makers. So I did pretty good with that. Uh, you know, I'm like, pay me in product. Pay me yeah. in product. So there's plenty of product in my house. You know, all this, lots of Breville stuff floating around or Breville. Anyway, so is a uh, Pearl Jam just a shitload of fun? It was. I did the hard years with them. You know, I did the, I did the hard years. Uh, you know, from like uh, early '93 until first part of 2006. Oh, you know, long pretty time. much everything. But I had to do other tours in between because that's a band that didn't tour a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, they took Ticketmaster to court. You know, or whatever. You know, or they're they didn't tour a lot. You know, they didn't do tours. They did events. You know, they would do two weeks and it would take three months to do two weeks with rehearsals and what have you. They didn't, you know, it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work. You know, it was a lot of uh, seeing them rise. I uh, worked for a guy that went to 
had to get help a few times, you know, I had a guy with health problems that I worked for and, um, which I helped him a lot. We helped each other a lot. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it was good times. It was a little, it wasn't my choice to leave. So that was a little tough time for me. Just like when Mo left, um, heart, when I left Pearl Jam, it wasn't up to me. And, uh, somebody wanted to make a change and it, it hurt, you know, when I left that band. I mean, since kind of we talk here and there, you know, I think I talk more than they call. I call them more than they call me, you know, but uh, uh, whatever. So it was a good time, you know. OK, well, that's cool. And then uh, so, Mo, you're gearing up to go on uh, Lollapalooza is the word. Yeah, uh, you know, we didn't. We didn't. Well, we didn't tour much in 2019, which was good because I had a house to rebuild. And uh, then we had a really great tour schedule for 2020 um, with the Pretenders. There's like 78 shows, U.S. and Canada. Ticket sales are great and COVID becomes what it is. And that kind of ended that. So I've basically been home for two plus years and... Uh, you know, the indecision of what all of this looked like and stuff. I mean, literally for the last year or so, I thought, oh, good chance that I'm retired, you know. And uh, it sucked because it wasn't my choice to retire, you know. Yeah. But I, I was trying to get right with it in my head. You know, am I ready to be done with this and blah, blah, and blah, blah. And then, yeah, lo and behold, things started to look like they were picking up around the world. And yeah, I got the call from Journey Management last week. And uh, hey. it's all good. We start um, middle of July. We'll do some rehearsal and a couple show little things here and there. And then we're, uh, the big thing is Lollapalooza, which I can say it now. We've known about it for a while, but it was announced yesterday and uh, or today. So yeah, we're doing... Uh, Lollapalooza, which is happening in Chicago this year, and we're doing one of the big days there, and getting the ball rolling again, which is great. You know? Hell yeah, that's killer. Every you year, Jeff, do you know what you got coming up? Say that again. You got anything lined up yet? I got like four shows with Ann in June, and then I have a week with Nancy, who's going to do a gig in Seattle with the Symphony or something up there uh she she just wrote me a few weeks ago and said save the date so you know uh, right on so i'm back and forth between the sisters uh they're doing separate stuff now so i'm gonna bide my time between the two so how big is the garden that you're tending to <laughs> Do you, are we are we looking at tulips or trees or the whole damn yard are you like up in the tree trimming it or are you uh no no i know maybe a little bit but mainly uh Fertilizing plants to look alike. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, lilies and a lot of. Uh, I have a look after a lot of flowers right now. It's spring. It's beautiful. I'll send you some pictures or whatever. Uh, um, in my leisure, uh, I think yeah. I took a last week, at, and I'll be working tomorrow. Everything's in full bloom right now. So, oh, so uh, it's beautiful for real. It's it, nice. yeah, it's beautiful. It's, my job looks good, and I haven't killed anything yet. It's been a full year of looking after me, so I really haven't killed a lot of stuff. I'll be pulling some fucking corn next week, my man. 
Good to hear. We, we're 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 kind of garden geeks. Uh, it's funny. Years ago, on the Heart Bus, between Jeff, myself, the the lighting guy, and stage manager and stuff, we're on a bus talking about our freaking tomatoes and bell peppers and you know whatever. And like, man, this conversation wouldn't have happened twenty years ago. Oh, we'd be talking about plants, but they wouldn't have been the edible plants twenty years ago. Yeah, times right. have changed. <laughs> times have changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And you, you run home. As soon as you get home, you run outside and see what your garden looks like. Yeah. Push the, you know, not that we have children or whatever. So our children are our garden. So yeah, stuff like that is, yeah, we've, uh, we've changed for the better. I, I pick on you, but I like to, I like succulents, succulents, cactus. Love it. Love it. Love it. So I got into it a while back. That's therapy, man. Being home, hands in the dirt. Yeah, yeah, it's I, I like it. I like it. So question. So uh, my friends, I was going to start this podcast thing and my friend has uh, a kid in, in fifth grade and her girlfriends were over. And so they said, we have a question that you need to ask your guests. And it was, uh, you should ask them when they first felt like they were famous. And I, I do like the idea of it because you don't need to be a celebrity to feel famous. I don't think she quite understood that, but you don't. And I've had some great answers so my question to each of you guys is, when did you first feel famous? And it could be successful or, you know, when did you feel celebrity or what, what, what's the first event that comes to mind where you looked out and went like, you know, fuck yeah. You want to take the, you want to feel that first? I, I kind of know mine, I think. Um, Go ahead. You know, we, we talked earlier before you came on, Jeff, Joel and I talking about, um, you know how he got into it you know the span of his touring career when he said he had enough and stuff but you know we kind of came up i personally came up just you know i left the job i went to electronic school and left the job with benefits to work for a band for literally like no money and you lo and behold it paid off in the end but what band was this that was no money? What was the first? Uh, uh, it was a, there was a some metal a metal band here in New Orleans uh, that I kind of grew up with called Lillian X. They're now about to do their twelfth record or something. They got a record deal at MCA, put out some record. Amazing band, never really reached the peak of what they I think they should have, but just you know, just a, a great band, and that's we all kind of grew up together in the industry, you know, but everything goes back in the band, whatever money was made, nobody was making money on it, but I wouldn't trade those times for anything, it was the most fun part of my life, you know Yeah. but, uh, you know when you know, when it really become, I mean, it became a career by accident, I didn't set out to be an audio guy as a career, it just did you know, you move on and you start making some money and you all of a sudden become successful in it, blah, blah, blah the first time my father chose to pull the FedEx driver into the house to show him my memorabilia and brag on me. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think that was, you know, cause it, you know, you leave a job with benefits for nothing. Your parents who come from a different generation are all about security. Right. And uh, it took a while for him to relate to that. And, you know, when he saw the success and then to see the accolades that I've gotten, you know, some whatever from other people and this and that and all. But when he, when I noticed that he was proud 
that was oh. that was a big thing for me. Yeah. That makes well, sense. It yeah. totally does. You're not the first one to say that. So yeah. it's good. Thank you. Jeff, Jeff, when you were doing the gardening and uh, the the bees were happy, they kept coming over. You were that's it. Yeah, well, I was I was. Uh, you gotta always ask a roadie what they were before they were a roadie. Mm-hmm. And I was gonna. I was working restaurants. I was studying to be a chef, a, a sous chef, and then I okay. started working for friends' bands. And then one band got a little bit more popular, and they started going out of town. And I worked for this chef that was really cool that literally like music a lot. So he lived working in Nashville and then, um, you know, you start getting a Memphis gig, you get an Atlanta gig, you go to Knoxville, Tennessee, you go to Louisville, Kentucky, you know, and I got off on the weekends to help my friends band. And if you're working in a restaurant, you get off on a weekend, you know, you, you got a pretty good boss that would let you off on a Friday and Saturday night, you know, to go out of town to do it. But I would just have to work a bunch during the week. And then that band got more popular. And then I got offered, I think I was making $250 a week in the restaurant, working like 50 hours a week. It was like 1983 or 84 or something like that. Um, and then I got pay offered, and then I think I got offered $300 a week to go on tour. Here's a flashlight, $300 a week, all the beer you can drink and whatever you want to do. Here you go. Remember, it was like, they gave me a flashlight. Here you go. You know? so, uh, I don't know if that's why I've become famous, which I don't think I'm still just some dude that, uh, not i'm definitely not the best never i'm never like oh look at me it's like blessed for sure because i work for a lot of amazing people and 90 percent of them are just regular people so i work for like really you know people that you can pretty much are approachable to some degree you know and i mean it's just uh um I agree. I don't. I'm not. I don't care for the word famous either because I don't consider yeah, myself you know, I mean, that category. You know, hey, I don't have to like. I mean, my neighbors still don't really. Everywhere I've lived, they've never quite figured out what I've done. He's never home. He's never home. Look, he's at home for a long time. Look, he brings in my trash can. Oh, wait, he's gone for three months. What does that guy do? You know, he's staring. He's talking to his trees in his yard. He's walking around in circles, staring, walking in circles, talking on the phone, trying to explain something. Oh, look, he's talking to the mailman for 10 minutes, you know, or something like that. You know, uh, just the you not the usual job or like, hey, I'm at, you know, um, I don't know, kind of not, I don't have never, I don't ever, you know, I don't have a Joe job or whatever. Never had like a, you know, a real job. I mean, I have, but I mean, when you've been doing, you just don't have the nine to five job. I lived in San Diego and people go, man, don't you hate the traffic here? I'm like, man, I don't do nothing before 10. And <laughs> if it's after three, I'm not going out. You know, you live in uh, San Diego now. No, no, I live in St. Augustine, Florida, but I used oh. to live in San Diego, and I was like, people are like, didn't the traffic bother you? And I was like, I don't do nothing before 10 o'clock in the morning yeah. by driving, and I don't do anything after 3 o'clock if I have to drive, you know? No, you know, so never really uh, had to adjust to uh, 
nine to five living or rush hour or anything like that. Yeah, you know? That's definitely one of the perks. Yeah. Just in doing stuff. I mean, Mo plays golf during the week. I go to the beach during the week, you know, I don't go to the beach on the weekends. There's tourists, there's terrorists at the beach. I, on the I, I don't fish on the there's weekend because there's too many people underwater. You're right. Yeah, exactly. You know, I go camping during the week. That's where I was a couple of weeks ago. I went on this just, okay, going camping. It's Tuesday. It's not quite a hundred degrees in Florida yet. Good time to camp, you know, do it during the week. Yeah. Nobody else camps during the week. <clears throat> so know? who do you go camping with? <laughs> I went with a couple friends of mine, uh, <laughs> A couple weeks ago and then went last week was it last yeah last week i just went on a whim me and my dog went on a whim of a trip where i got my van set up that i can sleep in and i went to the west coast of florida uh cape San Blas, to visit a couple friends of mine that were there from nashville that i used to work in a restaurant with 40 years ago oh so, right on so you know keep, i keep in touch with a lot of people from around the world you know i meet a lot of people I stay in touch with a lot of people. Um, people always said, Hey man, if you ever come to town, you can stay at my house. I've done it before. You know, all these people you meet on the road. Hey, if you ever come back to town, here I am. And I've done the vacations around the world, you know, and you know, those free tickets I gave you, well, here's the payback. Right. Yeah. Here's the couch. <laughs> if, if we were able to collect on all those free tickets, we passed up over the years. We'd be doing all right. Yes. We would be. We would definitely be doing all right. Well, all right, guys. Thanks you. You know, thanks for your time, and uh, I look forward to talking to you both again. If, okay. Uh, hey, pleasure, Joe. Good yeah. meeting you, Jeff. You ever have any? Uh, sorry, what you say, Mo? I said it was a pleasure to finally meet you. Put a face with the voice, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeffro, Jeffo, you know you're my man. I love you. All right, brother. Me, I'll send you some coffee. pictures of uh, that. Those flowers. Yeah, I'd be into that. I like that stuff. I'll send you a picture when I'll send you a picture when I harvest my first bushel of corn. (laughs) I'm growing corn right now. I've never done it before, and I'm such a geek over it. It's amazing. So yeah, I just roasted corn on the grill in the cob. I might do some of that too. It's very good. I'm gonna bail too. You guys take care. It's a pleasure, man. All right, brother. Cool. I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. Later, guys. Hey, thanks for watching Party Like a Rockstar. If you're not already subscribed to the Facebook or YouTube channels, do it. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The handle is Party of Stars. Thanks for watching. You'll see you next time.